The Kaplan Community Podcast is a place to catch up with Kaplan Business School alumni. We talk about life after graduation, what we're doing now, careers, opportunities, and future plans. This podcast is exciting because it features alumni who have made amazing transitions. I'm Kieran Howard, the Alumni and Industry Partnerships Manager at KBS. And my name is Dr. Richard Stager, the MBA Course Director at KBS. Hello, everyone. My name is Tol, and I'm originally from Mongolia. I've completed my MBA at KBS and now I work as a marketing lecturer at the KBS, and I'm very happy to be joining the conversation today. Welcome, everybody, to the, to the podcast, to the Kaplan Community Podcast, and welcome to you, Tool Betsaikan. Hopefully I'm saying that okay. And you are from Melbourne, MBA class of 2019. That's um, correct. Thank you for being with us. Hello, everyone. And first of all, thanks for having me here today. And I'm very excited to be participating in this uh, project uh, run by uh, Alumni Network itself. So yeah, my pleasure. Well, I guess I'll start off just with uh, a big question as, as you're originally from Mongolia, but you did your MBA with KBS. Why did you do an MBA in Australia? That's a long story, but... Uh, I'll try to cut it as short as possible. Um, no, we want to hear it. That's great. Yeah. Well, there were a number of factors. First of all, I was one of the high achievers scholarship recipient, so which um, reduced half of the uh, tuition fee during my entire study, entire uh, MBA completion with KBS. And also, I really loved that uh, the course structure that offers, uh, you know, divides within trimesters rather than semesters. So you get to have a slightly less tidious study load, but you could still, like most of international students, you know, you get to work certain hours to support yourself outside of your school hours. Another thing that I, I really love, the, the diversity of the organization. That's one of the things I'm still very fond of. And it doesn't matter where you're from or uh, there's, I mean, KBS is actually, you know, the living truth of uh, me working as a lecturer for the time being. And the opportunity presents equally to everyone if you just put, up, put yourself out there. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and well, so why did you choose Australia in the first place? Yes, that's also another thing. <laughs> uh, when I when I was deciding to leave Mongolia to to pursue my graduate degree, I had a number of options. Obviously, as I was a parent of a young child, as well as I was on my own, Australia had that advantage of bringing my family, uh, which was my daughter, as well as uh, parents, to support me during my study. And with given, you know, given those options, Australia came up as a number one opportunity, number one choice. That's lovely. And and to think about how your your parents, your your daughter, how are they coping with the story? What are they doing while you're studying and working really hard? Uh, half of my uh, time that I was studying, I was mostly on my own. I was just frequently going back and visiting my daughter back in Mongolia. 
but she would come and spend time with me with my mom for a period of time, perhaps two, three months at a time. And so it was just a lot of going back and forth trips between Mongolia and Australia for everyone. Uh, but that's when, you know, uh, before the COVID, <laughs> before the pandemic, so things were different. Thinking back of, back of it now, it was a very different time. It was a different time. And Kieran and I both know how long that plane ride can be from Australia. Oh, yes. Yeah. It would take like at least 15 to 20 hours flight. Yeah. With wow. a couple of stops, either China, Hong Kong or Singapore. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> well, I, I would like to know, you've mentioned that you're now a lecturer at KVS. So how do you find that transition from being a student at KBS to now being a lecturer at KBS? I could really say that I'm, I'm, I'm very, very pleased. And also at the same time, I was really nervous um, from the beginning. But then it gets, uh, I guess, the more I gain experience, the, the more I become comfortable as well as confident. I I, I find myself having on a very high side of uh, sympathy and empathy towards international students because I was there myself once. And not only with their study, also in their personal life, living in a different country, you know, being far away from their family and home. And yeah, I think that gives me that you know, advantage, the edge of, you know, uh, being a supportive lecturer to them in any possible ways. And uh, anyways, you know, KB is really good with, good with supporting students in their, in their journey, not only with their academic skills, there's, you know, number of uh, services they can access, such as what, counseling and yeah, you, you could name it. We all have something in common with teaching, and, and I think all three of us love that. And Kieran, you yourself, if I might ask you, you yourself were a teacher. Oh, that's right. I, I taught a, um, a hospitality management course, and, and I just loved it. I also, cool, I've also been a KBS student and a lecturer as Must well. Must have been. And yeah, and so I can mm. say I felt exactly the same as you, as and it gives you a sort of well-rounded ability to empathize with the, mm. with the students it's it's very rewarding and in your in your classes did you find that you know you related a lot to the to students with specific challenges that they were going through oh yeah definitely yeah definitely uh, what I also find that I could because of the personal experiences that I've gone through as a student at KBS I sort of know exactly where to uh, direct them to, to get appropriate help and support. Well, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, even though there's information available at your reach all the time, but then it's still, there's this a human aspect of, you know, sort of guiding, mentoring and advising. So that's where that advantage comes in, you know, comes at play. And that's so valuable, isn't it? It, it when you go home it and is, hide and yeah. you think, you know, you've helped someone. Yeah, and then it's a it's a win win thing for the student and myself as well, and it it just gives you so much joy, you know, um, satisfaction of being in service and being in useful and you know, others benefit. Yeah, I love this. This is yeah, it's I love like that the the KBS lecturers edition. All all three of us had that experience, and and so Tool, I mean, you you became a lecturer 
pretty shortly after you graduated. What was what was the process like in general? Or can you tell us a bit about your your career history, say, getting a job or what is your professional background? I've done my bachelor's in teaching and translation. So I've already had that foundation of teaching. That was my first advantage, I guess. And to be honest, I didn't think of landing in a lecturing position at KBS or anywhere else. I was, in fact, applying for a number of different roles at KBS. What I now think is that the relationship that you had with people, it's, it, it was purely on, you know, putting yourself out there, uh, being just, you know, a, a human has all sort of uh, flaws or sometimes, you know, advantages. So I've submitted my CV through a number of different roles and I've been contacted by a campus manager from Melbourne campus. And she happened to run through my CV and I found out that, uh, look, tall, like you seem to have a really well-grounded background in marketing as well as in a, in a startup and business, which I've done a number of years back in Mongolia before coming to Australia. And I also had a teaching degree. And, and then she actually advised me to apply for a, for a lecturing position. And then I, I, I did, I did take her advice and then um, applied for it and then got the, the offer. And yeah. I'm really curious, you mentioned your experience in marketing in Mongolia. Do you find the, the business environment in Mongolia and Australia, do you find much difference or as a working arrangement is pretty much the same? Well, there's definitely a, a cultural and traditional differences, but when it comes to like actually running the thing, running the business, I don't see much difference. It really comes down to a person's personal experience rather than, you know, the environment itself. Yeah, I would, I would say there could be a cultural or tradition, you know, traditional belief differences. But now... When, when you really work inside the business, no, I don't see much difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair enough. That leads to another question. What's the things that you like most about Mongolia that you wish you could transplant here into Australia? Yeah, there are a number of things. Yeah, think that is a very, very good question that I, I often think of it in my head with my, you know. I mean, because Mongolia is such a, I mean, it, it's a, big country, you know, land-wise, but it's a small compared to, you know, uh, population-wise. So things tend to run it in, a, in, in more velocity, in a much faster way, because it, it also has, a, you know, less, less heavily bureaucratic. And that has, you know, there are specific advantages in certain uh, situations, but sometimes it's not. Australia seems to be on the more of the slower side when it comes to, you know, running things in, in, in more of a you know, faster way because it's more bureaucratic, a lot of, you know, paperwork, a lot of uh, tidious processes that involves in business. So, uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's bad. It's just, it's just the main difference that I see between Mongolia and Australia. I, I agree with 
with the comment or the observation. And I think there can be real advantages and, and disadvantages to any sort of yes. business system. But what would you recommend, though, for somebody who's, say, adapting to that? Because, you know, when I came to Australia, I, I noticed the same. And it took some adapting to um, do things in a different way here. So how would you adapt to operate in a more bureaucratic than you were used to? What's a good way to adapt to that? I would suggest what Kaplan implemented was that body program that, you know, whoever joins uh, the organization as a, as a new employee, whether it's lecturer or whether it's, you know, uh, in a different position. I think that was one of the best thing that supported me in the beginning of my journey as a, as a lecturer. And I also uh, worked as an academic success coordinator just briefly before I started teaching. Yeah, it's it always gives you that comfort as well as, you know, a support that you need, a, a very accessible support. Because, you know, you, there'll be a tons of things that you would have no idea how to get it done. Or And then once you have someone who's specifically assigned to be your buddy, and you're all set. Yeah. and. I am not too sure if every organization runs such program, but that was the best thing of Kaplan when I joined the organization, yeah. I think uh, you're absolutely right. And that's actually one thing about Australia that, that I think you, you can never be too hard to find somebody who can, who will help in general. Um, oh, yes. What, what about... What about your work in um, in non-for-profit? So I, I know that you've done marketing and fundraising in non-for-profits. Can you tell us more about that tool? Yes. So the organization I work as a marketing and fundraising officer is called Distinctive Options. So they are not-for-profit organization specialized in disability service providing. It, it was a very different experience to begin with is most of my uh, career life, career journey. I worked for corporate to startup organizations and either it's really, really fast forward. I mean, in, in a startup and in a corporate, it was, it was very much, you know, it's very competitive. It's, you know, it, sometimes you we all, almost feel like, you know, you have this imposter syndrome <laughs> that you have to, you know, like act like you got, everything under your control but with not for profit organization it was very different thing and first of all the people i was working with had a very different mindset than uh, uh, traditional business people and because of that they seemed very relaxed very nice people you know and sometimes it takes a very different approach to convince them to move forward as a as a, you know, from the business or marketing perspective. So that was the main differences I noticed. I guess I'm just being very honest, but I hope, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't come out as, you know, criticism. It's just, it's just the observation I met. No, it won't be a criticism at all. <laughs> the one thing that I'm really interested in is you mentioned that imposter syndrome. I think men, women, everybody has that Everything. thing. Everybody does. How do you, number one, know when you feel like you're an imposter? How do you, when you recognize in yourself that for you, that you had the imposter, imposter syndrome and how did you work through it? How did you get out of that? 
Well, uh, I guess we all have that tendency in us that especially when you're in a new environment, when everything is unfamiliar, when when you sort of in a position that you have to prove yourself. In my personal experience, I would notice um, I'll be, you know, uh, using a lot of phrases like, oh, I think I got it. I, I mean, I know I'll, I'll work it out. But in fact, I'm not 100 percent sure that whether I will get it. But then it's just being not a not 100 percent honest with yourself as well as to others. Yeah. And then, it, I mean, it works to a certain degree, I guess. And it's okay to not know everything in any situation, but then sometimes you just carry it forward for extended period. And then that is hurtful thing for yourself and as well to the others or you, to the people you're working with. Best cure for it is to be honest, you know, and accept your flaws, accept that you, it's okay to not know everything and it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, that's that's how I basically overcome it. Yeah. But then doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't happen anymore. It, it occurs every now and then. And then you just, yeah, you just work with it. I, I work with it all the time because I still feel <laughs> sometimes like an imposter. You know, you meet somebody who's much smarter and more experienced or you name it. Um, there's always someone who's smarter yeah there's always someone who's smarter than you are and then sometimes I guess it's just that a human thing that you want to be you know you don't want to appear as any any less intelligent than <laughs> that people you're in the same room with absolutely yeah. that is interesting about that feeling that you you need to apologize maybe or you know you'll go figure out something later I for me I think I say something to the effect of that's really interesting. I think it needs further investigation. And I go away and scramble like mad on Google to find the answer. <laughs> we do. Is it, we do. Is it yeah. bad if I was just looking up imposter syndrome on Google? <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. That's the I'm way to kidding. go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it definitely sounds like you're a, a strong person tool that you, you know how to persevere. I'm, I'm interested. Are there any sort of challenges you've faced in in your work, and that could be at uh, at the not for profit, or it could be at you know in your lecturing role. But any any challenge that you face, and and how you might overcome that. That's a very interesting question. To be honest, I have not reflected on that too much. The only area it shows really boldly is my a personal relationship with you know either. <laughs> with my family or with you know, someone who's close to me. But when it comes to okay. professional environment, it actually plays well. And and then I think also it helps to maintain a certain professional image of yourself. Because we all like, I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm imposter or anything that's related to being, you know, inauthentic. But when you when you set a certain standard for yourself to present yourself in especially professional environment, and it gives you that consistent image of being person at work that has a good work ethic, perhaps you know. So it could it could have a, a many a many different advantages and many different positive uh, presentation representations of yourself. Yeah. 
And I, I don't, I don't think I have experienced any obstacles when it comes to you know presenting yourself well, being professional, and and that whether could appear a little appear as a strong will, but then mostly it, it plays out well in a professional environment. Yeah, especially if you're in a position of uh, lecturing or you know corporate or not for profit, even in startup, I would say. One of the themes of the podcast is transitions, actually. And, and so we think about you as, as a student and, and now your current students. And, and we think about transitions of what is it like to graduate or what is it like to move from being a student to being a professional? And would you have any advice or recommendations for somebody who's, say, they're about to graduate? Hmm. That's, uh, I guess it's going to be very, very useful tip for a newly graduate. Um, yeah, we've got actually 515 students. They've just finished up their last trimester in, in February. They've just finished. So maybe this is for them. First of all, I must congratulate to all of you for overcoming all those you know, difficulties and obstacles, especially during last year or so, we all know that you know things have, have not been easy for all. It's not only you know, for the students as well as all those academics and lecturers, everyone. Yeah, I think we all faced um, as something that you know have been unknown to all. But then I guess we've done very you know good job for completing your study despite those difficulties. I think the first thing I would say is that it's okay to be in the unknown for a period of time because, you know, I, I faced the same thing. On graduation, you have, you know, you may arise all these pressures from, you know, what do I do now, you know? And I know some of you have made a plan. Sometimes, you know, things don't work as, you know, according to your plan. And it's okay. Just work with what's given you at the time being and, and always look out for uh, different opportunities and go out, meet people, be, be attuned to all those informations. Because we, now we live in, you know, in an era of information. It's just kind of too much. It's just, you know, you just swim in this <laughs> big data 24 7 and then it's hard to grasp onto something that could be tangible or serve you well i would only i can only advise on what worked on me i can't you know speak for all whether it's going to be the classic way that works for everyone but to me what really helped was to just sit back and really think of what are you good at who are your contacts and what's your networking, where you stand in life. And yeah, just do some reflection, just with, sit with your own feelings and, you know, something might come along with those uh, reflection. Julie, your, your conversation, you know, about reflections and feelings, and you're obviously a very empathetic person. So if I could ask, what is cultural empathy, interpersonal empathy? What does empathy mean to you? Empathy is obviously one of my biggest assets that which I have not recognized in the past. I thought that that thing comes with everyone. Uh, obviously, 
it's not, but also it is, it's like a muscle. You can always, you know, flex and stretch and, and show more, uh, show more sympathy to others. And also, you know, being empathic to me, it is everything that that is the vital character that you play in a, in a relationship with others, whether it's personal or professional. And it's, I mean, I can pick up an example because when you have empathy, it's not always about being, you know, I mean, being able to sympathize others' feeling. It's also, it allows you to be vulnerable and authentic to others. And that way it puts you in the, in the right position of receiving help, but being open to everything. Yeah. And it's, it's about, you know, having that open heart and soul. That's just wonderfully insightful. I, I love that you describe empathy as a muscle that you can you can flex and and build, and, and I think we could all learn from that. I'm also interested in the work life balance. I wouldn't have done it on my own. That's all I can say. The motivation of doing well, being the best best version of myself, was always my family and my my daughter. And I think that's the beauty of every humankind that you have this a solid foundation, whether it's your family. It doesn't mean, you know, the family is always there. I mean, it could be people who has, you know, very close relationship with their community or friends. So regardless of your circumstance or your background or cultural differences, it's always those people. I, I just love this quote, quote so much that where you are today because of, of someone's help. And it's impossible to achieve anything on your own. And I, I admit that. And I often tell people that it, it's anything that you do, it's never solely for yourself. What, there could be you know, some you know, personal interest and personal motivations, but then greater things you achieve is always, you know, for the interest of others. And it, it could be, you know, it could be for the broader community, or it could be for your family, or it could be someone special. Obviously, you like to connect with people. And you told us just before this that you have a podcast as well, Tool. That's so right. I'm, I'm very interested to know what what is this? Is this your personal hobby? Is this another business venture? What is your podcast? <laughs> you I don't think I have a much plan in life. It, I know it sounds really, you know... It, doesn't doesn't match with what I sort of you know present. It was just pure uh, by chance that I got in touch with a couple of guys from Mongolia who's happened to have this amazing idea of starting a podcast, and then they just called cold called me. You know, we want to you know we want to start this podcast. Would you would you be interested in collaborating and you know, become our partner? And I I've, after having a our conversation with them, I decided to proceed with the project. It's been just about a year. Now we have 15,000 subscribers on YouTube because we started, we wanted to publish it on a free platform to begin with. And it's called Idea Plus Podcast. And uh, it is intended to give some simple idea for people who's interested in self-development and be more attuned to have some 
self-reflection, everything that I try to practice on my daily base, uh, daily life. We've been interviewing a lot of interesting young Mongolian professionals who live throughout the world, who does uh, different things. And they all have routines and habits and uh, personal beliefs. They think that, you know, help them to be a successful human being and successful individual. And now we actually planning on moving it to Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. What is on the horizon for, for you? If we talk about, you know, whether it's development or, or your plans, what, what do you see for the future? I would just like to leave it open. Meanwhile, I, I would like to constantly and consistently improve myself to be a better person than I was yesterday. Chul, thank you very much. It, it really has been a pleasure having you on the episode and we wish you very well. Karen, thank you for the moderation as well. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been an immense pleasure of mine. And then I wish you all, including you two, Kieran and Richard, and whoever's listening to this podcast, I wish you the best of every possible happiness. The Kaplan Community Podcast presents an opportunity to think about things differently by listening to a diversity of opinions from our Kaplan Business School alumni, Kieran Howard and me, Dr. Richard Stager. The podcast is published every Wednesday night. Search for the Kaplan Community Podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We invite you to find out more about our guest speakers from our LinkedIn group. Search for the Kaplan Business School Alumni Community. Please rate each episode to help us reach more listeners.